listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Rainmaking Podcast. And as you know, this podcast focuses, in general terms, for those that are involved in sales or client development or business development in professional services. I try not to make it too specific just because we have people that are in different industries that listen in, but I have special focus and attention on those in the legal profession as I recruit law firm partners for global law firms. And the one thing that all of my clients want are partners with successful and portable books of business, that cadre of clients that will transition with them to a new firm. So that's why I try to give content in that regard, specifically for those people. So our guest today is Steve Bell, that works within the legal community and was a pioneer for a large global firm helping them to focus on sales, not just marketing, but sales. So this is something I think might be interesting for everybody, but those in the legal focus area that might give some particular interest to you. Steve Bell is a senior consultant at Law Vision. He's a pioneer of law firm sales and marketing. And in 2001, he created the legal profession's first sales function at Womble Carlisle and continued to lead the team for 18 years. He was a longtime leader and was elected as chair of Lex Mundy's Marketing and Business Development Committee. Prior to his successful career at Womble, Steve built and led sales forces at Price Waterhouse and Grant Thornton, where he was a partner. This wealth of innovation and in-house experience renders Steve's advice as leading edge, pragmatic, practical, and grounded in law firm realities. Steve and co-author Sylvia Coulter, a principal at Law Vision, have written and will soon release a new book, Sam Legal, From Key Clients to Strategic Accounts, A Guide to Law Firm Strategic Account Management. If you want more information about Steve Bell, go to our show notes that you'll see where this podcast is hosted, and you'll be able to get his bio and reach him that way. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you get some great ideas out of our program today. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. I'm excited about our guest today. He's been someone I've been following for years just because of his own career innovation, and hopefully that will bring you value today. I've got Steve Bell with me on the show. Steve, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. So glad to be here, and hopefully I can say something that will benefit the audience. That sounds great. And our topic today is what's next in law firm sales and The operative word, of course, is sales. And I'm kind of curious about your perspective on that. I'm really excited about this topic. But first, maybe you can kind of tell us about your career history. What did you start at when you got out of school? And how did you make your way up to what you're doing today? Well, thanks for the question. To me, it's really apparent what this career path has been, even though it seems a little uh, disjointed to other people at times. But uh, I started my career primarily as a journalist, and I took that talent. Uh, in-house at various companies in the communications function. And I finally ended up at the sterling blue chip accounting firm, Pricewaterhouse, as a marketer and as a writer. And interestingly enough, I supported the international tax group and the vice chairman of the whole tax department met with the senior leaders from the international tax group. And he said to them something to the effect of, well, you know, you're, you're writing wonderful brochures and you're having great events. And my question for you is who's following up with the people who attend? 
who is following up with the clients and the prospective clients to see if we can't get some revenue out of this. And I felt like I was in a Gomer pile episode because all the, the heavy duty international tax partners basically took a step backward and it left me at the front of the line. So basically I was volunteering to launch the sales function in the tax unit of Pricewaterhouse all those years ago. I had had direct sales experience at various times in my past, but that's how I personally made the transition from marketing and communications into sales in the professional services arena. That's great. And as part of what we did, you know, we acquired an outside agency to help us develop a process and a methodology and the tools and the training and so forth. But, you know, that was way back in the 1980s. Uh, sales was still a very foreign concept in, in what now is the big four. And, you know, I was able to help develop it. And, and it, it was just really interesting. And the partners at the firm were very, very willing not only to have me participate, but to actually push me into action in front of clients and prospective clients. And ultimately, I learned a really important skill, which was how do you open doors to CFOs and other buyers of accounting services? So, I mean, I really developed it in the professional services space. Fast forward in the year 2001, I then later became a partner in charge of sales uh, for the tax unit at Grant Thornton. Fast forward to 2001, I found an exciting firm that was really interested in talking about the developing sales, professional sales in the legal space, where the use of that word was really verboten and, and just foreign to everybody. But that was Womble Carlisle in 2001. I had worked a little bit with some of the partners on a specific tax product that Grant Thornton had developed, and I applied for the position and c- competed for it. And back then in 2001, it was August of 2001, I became the first person to have the word sales on my business card at any law firm, at least in the U.S. and probably in the world. Not that people hadn't been doing sales because, you know, obviously they're successful businesses. But I became the the law firm profession's first director of sales in 2001. So it was really a heady time. I used to describe it as being the Neil Armstrong of law firm sales, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a little bit big-headed for what really happened because it was hard work. But it was really interesting to, to transition, you know, from communications and marketing to sales and the CPA uh, environment, and then ultimately over to law firms. So it's been a great ride and very rewarding. I've learned a lot, met a lot of great people. And you've definitely built a reputation that precedes you wherever you go, Steve. So I'm kind of curious, what's the hesitance with law firms? Before we kind of trace the evolution of sales at law firms, what's, what's the hesitance that law firms have, the hesitation about using that word internally and even externally? I think we're still faced with this concept of profession versus business. The people who like to consider themselves as professionals in the traditional sense of the word do not like to have the concept of actually selling associated with their professional activity. It's like doctors. Doctors don't want to be seen as salespeople, architects, engineers not really accountants, even though they've, they've rounded the bend a lot sooner than lawyers. So I think that there's just this abhorrence of the concept of sales for people who think of themselves as professionals in the traditional sense. But that's all changing. You know, more than ever, law firms are measuring and advancing and compensating partners based on their ability to generate profitable revenue. Right. So you may not want to call it sales, but that's what it is. So, right. you know, I think the, the difference between what I did was we just called it sales at Womble Carlisle at the time. 
and just dispensed with all the niceties and the other names that you can use for the function. Right, right. And what's the evolution from the early days of law firms understanding that they've got to sell work to today? What, what are some of the big changes you've seen over the last 20 years? When I walked in the door, my phone sure rang a lot from people in the law firm industry wondering what's going on here. Uh, you know, what is Womble doing? How does this fit? This is very strange and unusual to them. And uh, that was true for a while. And I just told people what was going on and how it was working and what I was learning. And then, you know, over the course of the first five years, my phone kept ringing a lot. And some people actually, some law firms actually did develop sales functions and, and people in parallel positions. And then interestingly, you know, there was, there was a waxing and waning of the function in 2008 and 2009 in the great recession of the time, uh, my phone stopped ringing about people trying to develop sales because law firms pulled in their horns, you know, they stopped investing money in functions such as sales and other marketing activities. And so then there was quite a quiescence for a while. And then I, I stopped paying t- attention to it on a daily basis. But, you know, sometime after 2010, as we emerged from that great recession, law firms began to think about the efficacy of a professional sales function. And they began, began to hire uh, people in this space again. And uh, it has grown a lot. I don't even keep track of it. But, you know, when I first started, there was one. And then within five years, there were probably, I don't know, 25 to 40 people who were who were playing that role in the large law firms. Today, I'm sure the, the number is in the hundreds. And um, people don't always use the word sales, but it has become a position and a function that the world of law firms really starts to accept. They understand what sales professionals can bring to the table. And uh, they really value the activity these days. So I think we're getting closer and closer to catching up to where the accounting firms were 20 years ago. Right. So I'm kind of curious, when you were at Womble, and for those that don't know, Womble, it's a large top 100 law firm, very good reputation, good global footprint now, especially after they'd merged. But what did you do? Were you more externally focused in terms of which organizations can we get as clients? Were you internally focused in terms of training and coaching and guiding partners and those involved in business development and how to get work from existing clients? What was kind of your focus area in that role? Very clearly, I was to uh, focus externally. I was to uh, be face-to-face with the marketplace and with clients and prospective clients. And I needed to discover for myself how this worked. I I knew how it worked in public accounting. What I needed to discover for myself was how does this work in law firms? They're similar environments, but there's quite a bit of difference between public accounting and law firms that all hinges around the ethical considerations of solicitation in the law firm environment and the ethical rules. There weren't those kinds of rules in the public accounting world. So I could become an equity partner in the firm, the CPA firm of Grant Thornton, but I could not be that kind of owner at the law firm. So I mean, it was just a whole uh, different construct. So I came on board to figure out how to navigate the ethical rules about solicitation and also just to figure out how things worked in the law firm environment, what could I bring over from public accounting? What could I bring from other industries in terms of the sales discipline? Interesting. And so, um, you know, what I ultimately discovered was that it is possible uh, to set up meetings under the ethical constraints with the buyers of legal services, possible to introduce the the lawyers into that environment. I really, really focused heavily on what was the buying activity? What, how did the buyers act? How did they go about identifying providers of legal services and how do they act? 
And I found myself really focusing on organizations such as the Association of Corporate Counsel, because that's where the buyers of legal services hang out. So I, I spent a lot of time with them just trying to understand, how do you go about buying legal services? What's your process like? And so then I, I translated that to the inside. And after I had figured it out for a year or two, then I started trying to teach other people in the organization how to sell in that environment, trying to teach the lawyers and, and bring them up to speed as a way of leveraging this knowledge that I acquired in the first couple of years. I hope that's a, a somewhat cogent explanation of what happened. Right, right. And so what's kind of the current state of what law firms are doing in terms of sales and where do you think they're going to go from here? I think that they're getting a lot better. I mean, I, I see uh, people who are doing right now what I did all over the place and, you know, very openly and having relationships with clients and prospective clients. So what was really novel 20 years ago is becoming more commonplace right now. And the people who are doing it, the people who are coming on board in these sales functions, whatever the role is actually called in practice, are very highly professional, very skilled. They're coming from industry. And, um, you know, so just the professionalism of people who are doing sales in law firms is really, really way up. And I personally think that the next evolution is that law firms will begin to manage their strategic accounts in the way that public accounting firms have been doing for 20 years. Public accounting firms hired big, impressive people from industry to be on the sales force and to manage their big accounts. You know, um, So there are sales professionals who come from industry who are highly compensated and highly skilled. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, for these public accounting firms, these these highly skilled sales professionals and account management people sit at the client, and they may manage one or at most a few of the major clients where the annual revenues are in the tens of millions of dollars. So they're sitting out there at the client every day, managing the account, mining the relationships, and bringing in the capabilities and skills that CPA firms have. So it truly is like national accounts or strategic account management in the CPA firms. I think that's the next spin of the wheel at law firms to transform people who are doing one-off sales into national account managers with the big clients. I think it'll happen. And so these are people, when you said they're hired from industry, what are some examples that you'd seen? Like what, you don't have to mention names, of course, but what did they do in the industries? How did that parlay into working at a big accounting firm? Well, they were people who had relationships in the industry. So, I mean, a lot lot of government relations and public policy executives uh, moved into the sales world. Mm -hmm. People who were in uh, leading the sales function within industry moved and translated their skills into the uh, public accounting world. So you're talking about high-level people who were players and mockers in the industry groups, people knew them, people respected them. They had wonderful clients uh, themselves. And so it's that really high level kind of person, exec- business executives moving into the sales world at the uh, CPA firms. Great, that's great. What do you think the law firm lawyer and the staff leaders should do at this point? If they wanna get ahead of the curve, if they wanna be ahead of everybody else in terms of some of these trends that you see, what do you think they should do? Well, there's still room at the table for law firms to be innovative and develop sales functions. And I'm happy to talk with anybody anytime about how to do that. I lived it and uh, I spent my whole career, even at Womble, uh, just talking to people, telling them how it goes, telling them what I found. So that's number one is to contemplate creating a sales function, you know, before any more time goes by. 
and I think there's a really interesting development taking place in the law firm world that is going to enable law firms to do this better than they are right now. And it namely has to do with the ownership of law firms by people who do not have law licenses. Mm -hmm. There are developments in the state of Arizona right now where that say that law firms can be owned by people who don't have law licenses. That is a sea change in the U.S. It has happened to some extent in the U.K. and Australia particularly. But when I first joined law firms back in 2001, people were talking about multidisciplinary uh, practice of law, and that's what we're really talking about here. And it went on hold, particularly during the Great Recession, but now this topic is coming back emanating from Arizona. So I think that that is a, a huge development that merits a lot of attention. And the leading law firms are going to ascertain what that particular ruling in Arizona means, and it's going to help them to drive the business process very, much more quickly than they have been able to. What, why do you think that's significant? Why do you think that's going to be make a difference? Well, one of the things that I have observed in working with law firms is that they're just set up for the people who have law licenses to own the business and be responsible for everything. So there's no doubt that lawyers have great skills and knowledge in the arena of practicing law. But if uh, law firms, by practice and, and, and tradition, have lawyers overseeing all the functions in some way or another, you're not getting the best talent leading these organizations. So, I mean, in, typically in a law firm, a highly skilled information technology professional will report to a committee or an individual who's the IT chairman or the IT committee. Same goes for talent management and human relations and professional development and marketing. So you have lawyers who are highly skilled and highly trained at practicing law, in a sense, overseeing functions where they don't have training and expertise and it puts a governor on the expertise that these law firms are paying highly to bring out you know, experts in marketing and sales and talent management and human resources are being kind of held back by the fact that they are managed and overseen by lawyers who don't particularly have talent or skills in those areas. So if, if it turns out that the, the staff professionals can become owners of the business and that the, the uh, law firms really do put them in a position where they can exercise all of their knowledge and all of their skill and all of their expertise, it's going to shoot law firms into a whole different uh, level very quickly. So that's, that's what will happen. It, of course, it takes a long time in law firms, but I see that that's what's going to happen next. Right. That's very interesting to me. What do you think are the big pitfalls that those law firms that are looking to shift more into how you're discussing, what are the biggest pitfalls you think they should avoid from what you've seen? And having done all this? Well, you know, I'm kind of prejudiced because I don't see any pitfalls. I think it's wonderful, of course. But the main thing is, it's very careful for law, very important for law firms to take extreme caution with who they hire in these roles, you know, just because of the very nature of law firms. It's really high, high energy, high ego, high intellectual people who own and, and work at law firms. And it's really important given that construct about the personality and nuanced emotional intelligence that hires into a sales position have to have. Mm -hmm. And so one of of the things that I noticed during my career is that when an outside professional who doesn't have a law license like me comes into a law firm, they have two sales to make. And the first sale is to the internal audience, to the partners of the law firm. 
uh, to gain their trust, to demonstrate their skills, and you know, to make the lawyers comfortable with what the sales professionals are bringing to the table. And then you move outward to the external audience, the client or prospective clients. So, I mean, it's a little extra work on the part of the salesperson who comes into a law firm. Certainly a great deal of highly nuanced emotional intelligence is important. And just the skill to work very complex relationships inside the law firm and out. So, I mean, I, I just think it makes a great deal of difference about who you hire for these jobs. You can't take a great salesman from industry A and move them seamlessly into the law firm environment. There's just right. a lot more to it. Absolutely right. And you don't even know what that is until after you've been understanding how law firms tick and what their what their trouble spots are, what their motivations are, and all the other unique, nuanced issues related to getting an organization to thrive that's a partnership. Well, which is to say that law firms are different animals than they sure are. They really are. So what do you think from your, your career, Steve, what's the biggest surprise that you've seen? What's something that you've learned that surprised you the most in this regard? Well, I don't think I was as surprised by it as the people that I worked for, but the people who buy legal services take very easily to having a non-lawyer business professional working with them and mining mining and so forth. I mean, you know, I really got along really, really well with inside counsel. And, and when you think about it, they spend a lot of their time dealing with salespeople because their businesses are based on the generation of profitable revenue. So in other words, they work with salespeople all the time. They're very comfortable with it. Whereas the people who work at law firms, the lawyers who work at law firm are not that comfortable with them. It's new to them. They don't understand it. So the buyers of legal services are very comfortable having non-lawyer business professionals work with them. And it's, it's bridging that gap between what a law firm's lawyers think is going to happen when a business professional goes out and talks to a client versus how easy and natural those conversations with clients and prospective clients really are. That was a big surprise. Right. Did you ever get involved with internal training of your partners and associates on how to communicate to prospects and existing clients, how to keep their antennas up for new opportunities? Uh, yeah, of course. And, you know, as large as our sales department was at Womble, it's not large enough to do everything that's necessary to train and educate lawyers. So uh, we relied on outside providers to help us leverage that stuff. So I think the best construct is to use people who train and do that professionally, train and coach lawyers, mm-hmm. and, and to leave the outside salespeople really at the point of sale with lawyers, of course, but not spending their time training and coaching lawyers individually because there's many organizations like the one I work for now, Law Vision, that does that kind of training and coaching. But I think within the environment of the law firm, the salespeople had better keep themselves at the point of sale because that's where the revenue is generated. And that's what the owners of the business expect them to do is to produce profitable new revenue. That makes sense. And tell me about your upcoming book, Strategic Account Management for Law Firms. Tell me about the premise and in a nutshell, what's the advice in that book? Yep. Uh, So I have a co-author, Sylvia Coulter, who is a principal at Law Vision. She previously was with the Hildebrand Consulting Organization. But before that, Sylvia was the chief marketing officer of two global large law firms. And in a sense, she and I were competitors. We knew one another and we competed against one another. So now after I have gotten over the the desire to drive from my home into Washington, D.C. every day and be in the daily law firm environment, uh, Sylvia and I are collaborating on a new book called Sam Legal, 
from key clients to strategic accounts. SAM is an acronym for strategic account management. And both Sylvia and I, who have been in commercial sales outside of the professional services space and deeply involved in law firms, we both believe that a real trend and a real value for law firms is to generate the strategic account management function like the public accounting firms have been doing uh, for some time. So that's what this book is about. It gets released in uh, December. We've been working on it for quite a while. The concept is just to bring from industry the concepts and techniques and technologies the great sales organizations have been using for a long time. That's great. And so when will the book be out? How can people get the book? Well, uh, we will publicize it. It's going to be out. We're going to self-publish on Amazon. It will be out in December. We're in the final editing right now. But if any of the listeners want to talk about the concepts in the book before then, we're certainly available. That's what we do all the time. You know, It's a very much of a sharing world that we exist in, and lots of conversations have to happen before anybody will hire you to actually do something. So very happy to talk with anybody anytime. Yeah, that's great. And Steve, we're going to put your content or all of your contact information on the show notes. And tell us about the menu of offerings that you have. If there's somebody that wants to reach out to you, what are the things that you do as an advisor coach? What's kind of the menu of offerings that you have, Steve? I work for the unit of Law Vision, which is the growth and business development practice. And so that's what we help law firms to do. We offer training and coaching of lawyers, groups of lawyers, and to uh, affinity groups such as LGBTQ+, uh, women lawyers, and other affinity groups within law firms. We also offer training and certification for business professionals at law firm, helping them to develop coaching skills so that they can take over that function within law firms. And my own specific role, I mean, is highly uh, specialized, is I just want to talk to the senior leaders of law firms and help them to consider formation of sales functions and sales departments to set up and organize those in a way that will really succeed. So that's my business. That's great, Steve. That's fantastic. And then if you could kind of summarize everything that you talked about in terms of action steps, if there's a law firm leader or even any professional services person that wants to grow their book of business, that wants to grow their sales, what would be three action steps you'd recommend that they take to kind of integrate some of the ideas and lessons that you've learned over the years? I think that's the sales function is here. People need to understand that sometimes the name is camouflaged. But, you know, there are plenty of people who are in leadership positions at large law firms in the U.S. particularly who can tell you about how sales is working in law firms. So find one of them or call me and we can talk about how to set up that function. So consider sales as a, as a professional function within the array of services of a law firm. Number two, I think the public accounting firms knocked it out of the park a long time ago by having business professionals, most often without a law license, sitting at the top of relationships with significant clients, mining those relationships, advancing them, creating great excitement and energy and satisfaction on the part of the client. So number two is, you know, consider how law firms will move from whatever they're doing in the way of managing key accounts to really taking them to the strategic level and making that a significant plank in a law firm's overall strategy. And here's the final one. I think it's law firms have always been based on precedent and what other law firms are doing, but there's so much exciting, exciting things that are going on in the world. So I think that law firm leaders need to look outside of the law profession to find out where the action is. And I think it is merits a study of companies like Amazon, Uber, 
uh, LegalZoom.com, Goldman Sachs, you know, certainly as a partnership, but a very small handful of partners really run the business as opposed to, to all of the lawyers having to be involved in the business. So, you know, I think I think it's just a really exciting time in the world of business, particularly given, you know, the situation that has resulted from having a global pandemic. It's just time to to take off our blinders and look to other industries that are having great success, figure out what they're doing and how that applies to law. So, I mean, no time like the presence, uh, AI, machine learning, the hyper-digitalization of the world. It's time for law firms to take a look from other industries as a model for what law firms might do. That's great, Steve. Well, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on our show. I'd hope to have you back here in the future. I know that you've got a lot of wealth of wisdom and knowledge that will help people listening. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Steve. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share it. I'll talk to you later, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.